So I just want people uh, to know that if I came to this country with only $800 in my pocket with language barrier, and finally I had to learn the totally different US financial system, and later became an expert to help these successful entrepreneurs. So I just want people, listeners, to have some hope when they, when they do struggle, think about there are many tools out there and there are people who can help you to improve even though you don't have large amount of money yet. Welcome back to the Balance Bully podcast for ambitious women in business and a few brave men. I'm Nikita Thigpen, your host and balance and relationship advisor, partnering with you to change the narrative so we can amplify intimacy within and across your relationships and you can have the freedom, flexibility, and confidence to thrive in work life and in love. This is it. I know we've been gearing to it. We've been ramping up and we are right here at a pivotal moment. The last week, the last episode of season 18, all about those seed investments that we invest in ourselves and others to create the most sustainable and profitable harvest, period. Personally, professionally, spiritually, and financially. And of course, I had to make sure that we rounded this thing out with something amazing, incredible, and global. So today, Ladies and gentlemen, I am bringing to you Echo Wong. She is an amazing person, great individual, and I have to say, with my professional stalking that I did of her, I am quite impressed with not only what she's already accomplished, but what she is bringing the world, literally starting with this week. I'm so excited for this. This May is blooming some incredible things, and we are kicking it off with Echo Wong. She is a CFP and founder of Echo Wealth Management in Plymouth, Minnesota, an author of Own Your Future, One Woman's Story of Immigration and Financial Freedom. Echo is passionate about educating women that financial planning is a viable career path for them and that increasing number of female certified financial planners, which is what CFP is, those professionals in America will help transform the financial industry and income inequality between men and women. But we need champions like her to do it. Her personal motto, wealth management, isn't just for the wealthy. Echo, welcome to the Balance Foley podcast. How are you today? I am feeling so good. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. You're welcome. I am so excited to have this opportunity to interview you. I know it's been a little bit of a while. The last time we tried to do this, I was stuck in LA trying to catch a flight home with all the COVID-19 shutdowns of flights and all kinds of different things. So thank you for your patience. No problem. We all have something unexpected happening this uh, past couple months, right? We all have those stories. And uh, well, we will be adaptable. And I think we have to be. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You're, you're hitting the nail on the head because I think this last couple of months, to say at least, has been a move for us to realize how 
anchored we were to some things that weren't necessarily serving us and how much it was important for us to be prepared to do things differently, which I know is a lot of what you are helping to teach the world and, and, you know, get them prepared for to just be more successful and completely assured that they will be okay if they put the right things in place. But before you talk about that, I have to ask you what led you on your own journey to really, you know, putting roots down into the financial wealth management world? Yeah, it is a long story, but I <laughs> but I first want to go back a little bit, uh, pretty far back. Uh, I was born and raised in China, and um, my parents were uh, school teachers in a very remote village in southern part of China. So um, I I really was I felt fortunate uh, as I was growing up because my parents had a steady income as teachers, but I really didn't have uh, enough exposure to the outside world. Uh, fortunately, my parents moved to Shenzhen, uh, the city bordering Hong Kong, and uh, when I was 12 years old. So I witnessed the transformation of Shenzhen from a fishing village to, I think today it's maybe 15 to 17 million people. Mm. <laughs> it's considered the Silicon Valley in China. So I, when I was there uh, for eight years, I was able to watch Hong Kong TV using the antenna on the balcony. Uh, so I was able to see the outside world, even though I couldn't cross the border because Chinese couldn't leave the country freely. Right. Yeah, so, um, but I really had a big dream at that time to travel the world. And um, I had the opportunity one day when my uncle was uh, doing research for the Department of Chemistry at University of Idaho in a small town, Moscow, Idaho, for two years. And I was able to quit my job at the Bank of China and uh, apply for a full-time student visa. And fortunately, I received a visa to come to the US when I was 20 years old with uh, $800 in my pocket. And uh, so that is how I came to the US and finally, I finished uh, my degree in accounting and uh, finished my degree here in Minnesota and started my career in private accounting. And later I worked for KPMG, one of the largest CPA firm in the world. Mm. And uh, I worked there as a senior tax specialist and I served many corporate uh, executives and wealthy families as their senior tax specialists, helping with tax planning and financial planning and for almost four years. And um, I enjoyed the financial planning part a lot more than the tax season. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I am telling people I'm a recovering uh, CPA. Uh, because of that, I... I value that experience because uh, I truly believe tax planning is important part of wealth management. Uh, I, I decided to change my career from a very secure occupation as tax CPA to be a financial advisor uh, in 2000. And uh, if you recall, it was not the best timing in terms yeah. of going into financial services industry when the stock market uh, 
uh, was declining after a decade boom right mm-hmm. so um so i learned very quickly the first year i had to be so adapt adaptable to uh, in order to even survive in financial services as a minority woman uh, in this industry. So I, I consider myself a triple minority mm-hmm. in uh, personal wealth management. So I think what I, how I got started was and how I actually survived was to think about planning ahead before selling products. And I think maybe because I came from a different background, uh, so my training was more about financial planning and technical side uh, versus the sales side. So I started uh, offering financial planning for a fee. That It's more common now, but back then it was very rare for people to actually spend the time to gather all the data and come up with a, you know, a comprehensive uh, mm-hmm. cash flow planning before you even invest somebody's money. So I, I decided that was really important in order to be uh, objective and also to build trust uh, at the beginning. As a young woman, I was, you know, like, let me see, I was almost 30. Mm-hmm. So it was not easy start, but I realized that planning was more important than simply buying the top mutual funds. And uh, that really helped. Uh, as I reflect back, many people say, well, what was something you did right to either to make it in financial services? Yeah. Yeah, I, I would say, you know, uh, I certainly have uh, guiding principles for life and wealth. And I think uh, certainly the first one is uh, dare to dream. Mm. So I had a, you know, as I mentioned about my humble beginning, I really wanted to travel the world when I wasn't even have the, I mean, I didn't have the money to even take a vacation to the next town. Yeah. You know, no political freedom to leave leave the country. But I still just looked at the map and say, someday I will travel around the world. So I think that's my guiding principle. Number one is to dare to dream. Yeah. And um, later, I, I had to be adaptable, as I mentioned to you that uh, since the stock market or things, they could be declining for what, who knew, right? It was like started out one year and then two year decline. So I had to think about how can I still offer value and get paid for my expertise. I know that's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I was able to get paid at least like 30 to $40,000 a year, Mm -hmm. even though I didn't have money to manage very small amount of money to start. So I think that really helped me from the beginning. And then of course, uh, and the third principle is uh, respect education. And I, I feel very fortunate because my mom was my first role model because she was a uh, top of her class, had an ambition to go to college. Um, and of course, at that time, it was very difficult in China. But in the end, she was able to get her education and became uh, an independent woman. So, yeah. so for me, uh, coming to the U.S., uh, that was really important because I had a good role model to follow. Mm-hmm. And then um, later, I 
also have the second role model, I believe important to me was a, an author. Uh, her name was Echo Chan. I took her name because I read all her books and she came from Taiwan. Uh, people in Taiwan was able to travel around the world, unlike uh, people, Chinese people in yes. China. Yeah. So she wrote many books uh, about people living in different countries, and she traveled to more than 50 countries, including the U.S. Just imagine when I came to the U.S., when people mispronounced my first name, I, I was filling out a, a driver's, uh, some kind of ID, probably student ID. And I just said, I don't have a middle name. Now I'm living uh, this, my idol's dream. Right. <laughs> so, so I chose her name uh, as my middle name. And of course, nowadays, that's the only name I use. And uh, so I, I would say, just reflecting back, the, I pursue education. And of course, over the years, I obtained a CPA first. And then Certified Financial Planner is the CFP and also uh, CFA, which is the most prestige um, certification for portfolio managers in the world. So I truly believe education is so important in terms of investing in myself uh, that I could have the best return in life because I use the knowledge and expertise over mm -hmm. and over again. So yeah, yeah so I, I would say those are the first three principles um, of, you know, in terms of life, living a good life and also building wealth. No, that totally makes sense. So I'm curious because you mentioned something really key that I want to make sure that we don't jump over and that we highlight really, um, really well, which is that you are someone who had to maneuver through multiple perceived barriers being a woman, a Chinese woman, and an immigrant woman, right? Like who, who came over and still were able to stick to your guiding principles, which I'm sure had challenges, right? Like just being able to get an education, following in your, you know, your models, you know, both the author, Echo Chang, as well as your mother's uh, footsteps and, and really holding yourself accountable while you created your own lane and didn't get lost in someone else's story. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And in terms of the obstacles, and also I need to define what I want to do, what yeah. makes me um, happy, of course. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, during this journey, when I uh, saw different obstacles, and it was really important for me to see myself as someone who can continue to learn and evolve by mm -hmm. utilizing um, by valuing other people's wisdom. Yeah. Uh, meaning that I, you know, over time I have interacted and surrounded myself, of course, with many people I believe are inspiring and either I eat, sometimes I, I mean, I've never met them, but if I read their books, I feel like, you know, I'm getting that education from somebody by reading their books. Yeah. Right. So that's another way I do. Another thing I, also think it's really important, uh, especially for the listeners who are entrepreneurs, because when I decided to start my own firm, the first time I started was in 2003. And 2003, I uh, started my own solo practice. And it was very scary initially, 
of course, but I realized that it's good to be different. Mm-hmm. And because it's so hard to market yourself if you look exactly the same as just another advisor, right? So I decided to identify, kind of uh, decided that I want to be someone who has perfect combination of the skill set, being able to analyze things, technical things like the, the investment, you know, capital markets and loss. Mm-hmm. At the same time, be very relatable to people because in financial services, especially personal wealth management, is very personal. Yeah. So I once I uh, found my sweet spot, and somebody said to me one day and say, "Oh, uh, you you don't you don't act like a typical CPA." <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> I, I, you know, and then I thought, okay, I guess people's uh, you know the image of typical CPA is the bean counter, mm. analytical mind behind the scene mm-hmm. versus someone who wants to go out there and just talk to enough people and solve their problems. Yeah, definitely. Because as a, you know, financial advisor, especially the first several years, in order to make it in the industry, you actually need to talk to enough people and somebody has to trust you to hand over the lifetime savings. Yeah. So for me, initially, it was not an easy thing, but I, I felt like I have overcome many obstacles by first focusing on what I know I am very great at. I am extremely good at uh, taking very complex issue and bring it down to simple language and explain to the clients what Mm -hmm. they need to do. Because when things are so complicated, especially wealth management, just people's hear the word and it's like oh that's i i don't get it right can be complicated but it doesn't have to be if somebody can have the right kind of people to guide them and with the right tools so that's why uh very early on i use various tools to simplify people's financial lives and help them see, you know, their net worth right from day one and say, you know, hey, here's how you calculate your net worth. Remember, mm-hmm. you see the assets minus liabilities, you get to the net worth when it's positive, great, right? But then you need to build, how do you increase the net worth? And then what kind of tools do you use to monitor cash flow? I think for entrepreneurs and business owners, cash flow is so important. I. Yeah. Even today, when I talk to people, now I own this firm, uh, Echo Wealth Management is a new firm I started five years ago. So think about my journey. I was solo uh, financial advisor, and after three, three to four years, I merged my practice with another firm as a partner. I was there for 10 years, and then five years ago, I decided that I really want to do the, the things, the model and serve these clients the way I really want. Exactly. Yeah. So I started Echo Wealth Management five years ago uh, by myself. And now my team and I serve um, more than 80 clients and I manage more than $110 million for about 80 clients. So even today, many clients, when I you know, first meet them, the first meeting and learn about their money history story and share with the, my own story and the tools I have used, 
I always want them to say, uh, see the uh, tools potentially that could help them simplify their financial lives so they can do what they love to do. Mm-hmm. So along the way, I think I have learned a lot of lessons myself because as you know, you probably talk to enough entrepreneurs and they're going to say, well, I wish I knew this. So I didn't waste that much money and time. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Right. So for me, I think uh, initially I probably, I was very aware of how important it is to plan ahead, meaning meticulous planning every step and be very careful with cash flow in order to make it in the, yeah. as a business owner. But I also m- knew that I need to outsource. Uh, outsource the things that I know I do not enjoy doing or mm-hmm. I shouldn't be doing. So I think along the way, even just as a business owner right now, I outsource many things in this business. That's why I don't have so many employees in my office for that reason. Um, So I I outsource marketing. I outsource compliance. Mm -hmm. I outsource IT. I outsource data aggregation performance reporting for the uh, portfolio and billing. So just think about, as I want to share with entrepreneurs, and uh, it's important for them to think about the balance in life. And mm-hmm. I certainly ask myself very frequently, should I be doing this because I can do it? Or should I be doing this because I love doing it? You know, it's kind of like, it's very different, right? Yeah. You can, yeah. So I really, uh, that's something I have learned along the way. I wish I knew it much earlier. Uh, but I think I, you know, especially in the past decade, I believe that um, was really important for me to keep thinking that way and leverage other people's expertise and systems. Absolutely. And in you doing that, I mean, one of the the best things about your journey and the fact that you maneuvered from, you know, going into a corporate world, understanding that you wanted to dare on dare to dream and, you know, step into your own solo and then you know, play with the idea of what it looks like to be a part of another firm for 10 years and, you know, circle back. So, okay, let me do this the way that I would, I always wanted to, Mm -hmm. but I needed to get some tools first, which was, was a part of your journey is now you're able to open the door for so many other people, not just in outsourcing. Cause there's the, the part of Echo Wong's hat that you hire people when you outsource them, you get to help them live their purpose and do what they want to do. And they get to help you, you know, build your business so you can focus on what you're doing because you don't have to deal with the marketing and the IT, you know, and all those <laughs> things. But then on the other side, you you pour, you had time to pour into your new book, which is going to help so many other people have access to your knowledge that you may not have ever had the opportunity to meet. So I would love for you to talk about that for a minute, if you could. Yeah, thank you. I would love to do that. And um, let me first uh, say why I uh, started writing a book as a, such a busy person. And sometimes yeah. people <laughs> ask me, say, say, Echo, do you actually sleep? <laughs> <laughs> so I, it was uh, more than a year ago, I, I went to a conference, a FinCon a conference, where a lot of financial bloggers and advisors gather. Mm. And I found out there are so many people writing, they have their books and they were speakers there. 
And I was sitting in Rome and I thought, I probably have a lot more knowledge in the wealth, personal wealth management, because I am actually managing these people's money day in and day out. But I realized I, many people have a great way to uh, spread the message of financial planning by use, utilizing social media. So one idea I thought was, well, since I cannot serve thousands of people as their financial advisor, and I really want to make a difference, especially when I know many Americans cannot, you know, they don't have financial advisors, they don't know where to start. So I decided I'm not going to wait until I retire to write a book, and I should just get started. It took me a lot longer than a year, but I got it done. So. Uh, so some of the advice, financial advice books are just too complicated yeah. and, and others skimp on the details. So this book aims to give you the tools and education to think properly about your money, to identify who should be on your financial team, and to offer insights into what each of them should deliver. So think about, I mentioned why people, successful people, uh, many clients I work with are corporate executives and uh, successful entrepreneurs. They are very successful because they do utilize team. Uh, you know, some people with very large team to build a business, but some people may not have a dream team on their personal wealth management. So this book, I really want people to get some ideas from it, from understanding the financial planning process, you know, how a CFP professional like myself can deliver this kind of services by following certain standard and look out for the best interest of client. So even if they don't do it themselves, if they want to engage somebody, at least they know what they should expect and how they could find the right fit. And so I just want people uh, to know that if I came to this country with only $800 in my pocket with language barrier, and finally I had to learn the totally different US financial system, and later became an expert to help these successful entrepreneurs. So I just want people, listeners to have some hope when they, when they do struggle, think about there are many tools out there and there are people who can help you to improve, even though you don't have large amount of money yet. Right. So that's what the message is really for people. They, they don't need a lot of money to start personal wealth management if they understand the process and how to build a team. So that's something I feel so passionate about because I want more people to learn what I didn't know back then, 20 some years ago, um, you know, as a 20 year old. And uh, now I can actually say in my 40s, I can say, yeah, I think a lot of people can probably uh, learn from it and feel, may, I hope it's not a, how would I say? It's not just a book for wealthy people. I really want to make that very clear because yeah. I wrote it with, the purpose of educating and inspiring more people to start financial planning now and also want more women to see this as a, a good example 
so that they can think of, wow, this is maybe a viable career for myself, you know, for those young women who are in college studying accounting, finance, whatever major, uh, because I didn't know this was a possible career, you know, it, when I was in my 20s. Right, right. No, that totally makes a lot of sense. And I especially have to commend you for something that I know I talk about a lot and a lot of people don't necessarily um, put into practice until they're way past the space of burned out, which is creating a team, uh, even if it's outsourcing partners that can help you focus on the greater things. Because it'll also, even though you're spending a little money, because that's always the fear for entrepreneurs, right? Like that means I'm taking away from the cash flow that I could be putting into my investments, right? Like if they hire people. Instead of understanding that by doing that, you get to free yourself up to do more of the thing that you want to do and that you're good at doing and that you feel led to do. And you can actually have that mental space and energy to really deal with your money story. Like, why are you spending money the way that you were and not investing in your wealth legacy and your future or not hiring someone like yourself who can help guide you? Because there's always that fear, too, like, oh. It's, it, you know, hiring Echo is going to cost me so much money. I'll just figure it out myself. And they spend so much time wasted trying to figure out how to invest or, or not investing at all because they're, you know, they're so afraid of it. Um, when they have someone like you with, if I calculate it right, it's more than 20 years at this point of expertise that you've had along the way to be able to guide them to make better decisions. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I remind people, uh, I think entrepreneurs tend to understand this. I think executives too, when they, they understand the role of CFO in their yeah. company, right? They have CFO. Yeah. And um, I would ask them, you know, when your financial situation is getting more and more complex, wouldn't you consider a personal CFO? Because a personal CFO, you know, the way I call myself, like I wealth manager, personal CFO, you know, your financial advisor, you know, whatever term you think is appropriate to use right today, but would be able to take their vision, their goals, and help them look at the big picture and understanding their resources, mm -hmm. the financial resources, their network, that's a resource and their health, right? Health is wealth too, right? It's kind of look at the big picture and say, how can I maximize return based on all these resources I have right now? And for someone, if you have someone who has done it so many times, it's really a good way to, to remind them, you, you may have a blind spot that yeah. you, you know, the, the thing people really, very few people want to spend 10 to 20 hours a year to actually do research on investments and execute the strategies on their own. Uh, I think people prefer to spend that time planning for their vacation. Uh, exactly. <laughs> of, yeah, do they really want to do that? And then uh, they, they may not see the exactly the same result. So in a way, I think, think of somebody can spend five to, depend on complexity, right? Some people, maybe I spend 20 hours for that family a year mm -hmm. and with my team they will spend some time right for some family this may be five to seven hours of my time but it's so effective 
and with the right tools and yeah. keep them disciplined. I think another thing people may not uh, see is that we are emotional about our own money. Mm -hmm. We mm -hmm. are human being and we have a biases. And um, I actually spend, uh, I have one chapter in the book just to talk about biases, how we overcome our own biases to have more positive investment experience and results. And uh, as you probably heard of, you know, the coronavirus uh, market crash. Yeah. And I experienced two major market crash. One is 2000. The other one is 2008, 2009 financial crisis. Of course, every single one has different reasons, but a lot of the things are also in common. And people, if they do not have very solid cash flow plan and comprehensive plan that address their short-term needs for cash flow and also long-term for retirement saving and insurance needs and tax planning, estate planning, education funding, they tend to be more emotional when they hear the news about market crash and fear. Absolutely. And people, as you could imagine, people, when they act on their emotions, especially fear, most frequently they are making the wrong decisions. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that's another thing sometimes people may not see, even though they are very intelligent, they may not be making the right decisions when they are not prepared for a market crash. So that is the part I do. I spend a lot of time initially to help people to stress test portfolios, to help them understand their willingness to take risk and their capacity to, to take risk mm -hmm. may be different yeah. and how they can reconcile. So I am able to show them what if this market crash happened right in the year you retire. I mean, right. if you haven't planned for it or prepared for it, then you probably would have some, well, sleepless nights would be bad, right? That would affect your health. As I say, mm -hmm. the health and wealth go together if you're stressed out. And I think a lot of Americans probably are right now because they're dealing with, you know, all this uh, bad, inf bad uh, news right now. And so without any planning, it's difficult for people to get through tough time. So true. So I have to ask you, because a lot of what you are doing in the book, as well as what you've been doing in your career is providing tools of, yes. you know, of various different kinds. And so one of the questions that comes up for us a lot is one that we ask every guest, which is what's in your toolbox when it comes to giving yourself permission to pause? Oh, for me, wow, there are different kinds of tools. I think this is obviously personal, right? So for yeah. My, yeah, everybody could have a different answer. For me, I, I really want to make sure I, am, I take care of my own health first. Mm -hmm. So I give myself permission to pursue my hobbies. There are two hobbies that I am very passionate about. One is competitive ballroom dancing. Oh, <laughs> I like this. Okay. Yeah. So let me tell you a little bit. I, when I was pregnant uh, with my daughter, Nina, 
um, I had a gestational diabetes mm-hmm. and I, I was a very slim woman, but this is, was genetic condition. Mm-hmm. I was shocked to find out I had a diabetes. So I gained so much weight, I couldn't recognize myself. Oh, wow. So it was very difficult, uh, pregnancy, birth, and recovery. And I could not fit into my professional wardrobe like three to four months after. And I practically, I think I was extremely depressed. And uh, mm-hmm. good news was, I remember I took a salsa class just to cheer myself up. I went to a, a salsa group class and I felt so good because I realized I, I needed it so much because that is a perfect combination for me because I love music and it's music and sport combined together. So then I became really good at it and I thought, oh, maybe I need private lessons. So I started a private, you know, private dance lessons and I set a goal for myself. I said, you know, I want to get back into my professional wardrobe in 12 months. So that was my goal. And dancing was a way to do it. And I did it. 12 months later, I was able to get back to my regular professional wardrobe. And I didn't have to wear my maternity clothes. <laughs> and uh, so that was one thing. And now, uh, well, let's see how many years now. So 14 years later, I have been competing in uh, international uh, ballroom dance with my uh, partner. Currently, my professional partner is Gene Burston. And so I'm the amateur, he's the professional. So I compete in the pro-am category against other pro-am couples. And I dance 10 dances. So five international ballroom and then five international Latin dances. And Gene Burston's uh, brother, Alan Burston, was the winner of the show Dancing with the Stars last year. Oh, wow. I would have never saw this coming. This is so (laughs) cool. (laughs) So that's that's my first uh, thing I I do. So I feel so, before the coronavirus, I was able to dance 45 minutes every Saturday afternoon with Jean Burstyn. So that is my way of thinking, I'm taking care of myself on Saturday. Another thing I also do is uh, I was taking piano lesson weekly on Friday afternoon. So that was my dream when I was a little kid in China. We couldn't afford a piano. And when I came to the U.S., when I saw in the uh, catalog, the class catalog, I was able to choose piano lesson. I was overjoyed. I I chose piano (laughs) first semester in the U.S. So now I still want to continue that. Uh, Someday I'm thinking if I'm retired, I can just play for people in the nursing home or somewhere. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's it's going to, it gives me a good feeling because both activities are very different than what I do professionally. So I'm able to use my right brain <laughs> a lot more than my left brain when I, when I go out and dance and meet some wonderful people who share the same hobby. No, I love that. And you'd be surprised at what you could do with that after, you know, once you're ready to retire and your plate's not quite so full. So with, during COVID right now, are you able to still like at home, you know, take a swing around the room and 
you know, play a keyboard or something? <laughs> I did. I did a little bit. And of course, a lot of people are going into virtual class yeah. now. It's not the same for me because uh, when I dance with my professional partner, it's all about the partnership because I'm not taking the basic, you know, step to learn. Right. Learning. However, I I started uh, biking on a Peloton bike. Mm. Uh, so now I have a new goal since I'm isolated. <laughs> I need to get on my Peloton bike at least three times a week and each time at least uh, at least eight miles and more than 200 output. Ooh, okay. I'm scared of you. <laughs> I am very impressed. And I would have never saw this coming, especially salsa and ballroom dancing. That is pretty, I know. pretty I cool. Know. Yeah, I, I, you know, that is part of me now. So when I'm thinking, you know, when you ask me about how I pause when mm -hmm. I feel stressed, and I personally think that on a daily basis, I need to do, I need to pause and reflect, yeah. and certainly be grateful. I am certainly grateful for many things, and I think during this kind of crisis, we really uh, have more time to reflect what we value the most and what we can live without. I I actually think it's not a bad thing we go through this and of course some people have suffered but we all have to kind of figure out how to thrive right because of this crisis figure out different ways to make yourself happy hopeful mm -hmm. and healthy and seize opportunities and of course in wealth management and this is something what i do and of course we constantly look for the research in terms of you know, where we could see more value in terms of investments. And of course, over time, we cannot stop investing because right. of fear and the market is down 25%. Well, for people who don't need this to sell in a decade, isn't this a good buying opportunity as long as you take care of your emergency funds and have a clear cash flow for the next five years? Right. So no. that's what I've been telling people is you do not control the stock market crash. You can control a few things. The first thing is your own spending that will drive the saving, right? How much you spend also determines how much you're going to save. But the second thing you can control is asset allocation. If you don't do it yourself, you hire somebody to help you, help you diversify your portfolio so that you can come out ahead, right? Uh, do better than an average investor. And I think the third thing people can control is their health and life expectancy is partial in control if they take good care of their health. So I always believe health and wealth go together. And this is the time the pandemic is even more so uh, if people need to think about what can I do now to build wealth, I would say, keep yourself healthy, that we reduce the medical bills, right. you know how expensive it is. And, and also just have that positive mindset to start every day. Totally agree. You said it so well, focus on your health and wealth with Echo Wong. I absolutely love this. So how can people connect with you to get the book and get access to you if they need help with their financial planning or just want to understand more wealth management tips? Where can they find you? 
Yeah, I would love to have people go and grab my book that's coming out uh, on May 5th. And you can go to my personal website, just my name, echohuang.com. So echo is E-C-H-O-H-U-A-N-G.com. And from that website, you can connect with me on all social media. And of course, right now we have a limited time gift offer on the website if you decide to purchase either ebook or a hard copy book. So I hope everyone will, uh, you know, slow down a little bit and reflect and also find a time to read a good book. <laughs> well said from a new author. I absolutely love that. You are awesome. Echo, thank you so much for taking this time with us. We honor your time and we're so grateful you were able to slow down yourself and, you know, just pause to give us some good nuggets, especially sharing your journey. I think a lot of people could relate to it and I'm sure everyone appreciates all of the knowledge and nuggets that you were able to share. So thank you so much. You're very welcome. Have a great day. You too. Balance Bowley listeners, thank you so much as well. We both honor your time. I really appreciate you, you know, pausing or slowing down enough to listen to Echo Wong and myself, Nikita Thigpen, today as we just dove in and Echo was brave enough to share so much of her journey, especially um, all the kind of layers of, of struggle and juggling that she had to do to be able to accomplish that dream that she dared to have so many years ago. So I'm really grateful for that. And I thank you again for tuning in with us. As usual, make sure you subscribe, rate, and share this podcast to help us ensure the other ambitiously bold and brave have access to these valuable life, love, and business balance tools. You can connect with me at Ask Nikita everywhere, IG, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. And if you have not had an opportunity yet to pick up my new survival memoir and personal transformation story. It is called Selfish, Permission to Pause, Live, Love, and Laugh Your Way to Joy. Um, I humbly ask that you do that for yourself or gift it to someone else. It is my story of hope and healing that I pray is, you know, just eye-opening for so many people out there that could use it. And I don't want to give too many things away of it. So just go everywhere books are sold, Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, all the places you can find it, Kindle and paperback version. And when you pick up mine, make sure you pick up Echo Wan's book as well, because the two will be amazing in your life story. So thank you again. In the interim, go create your balance, create your joy, but remember, do it boldly. 